Hello, this is Nikdha from NewsLaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 23rd of July. The country has registered another record daily rise of over 45,000 fresh cases of COVID-19. India's total tally is now over 12,38,000. The death toll, meanwhile, is a few hundred short of 30,000. During the foundation laying ceremony of what he called a Raksha Bandhan gift to the women of Manipur or the Manipur Water Supply Project, Prime Minister Modi said that the country will have to fight vigorously against the coronavirus until a vaccine is introduced and development work will also have to be carried forward with full force. When it comes to foundation laying ceremonies, our Prime Minister seems to be quite on a roll. As the country sees an unprecedented rise of COVID-19 infections, the trust set up by the government to oversee the construction of a Ram temple in Uttar Pradesh's Ayodhya has announced that the Prime Minister Narendra Modi will be attending the Bhumi Poojan or the groundbreaking ceremony on August 5th. A silver brick will be set into the ground by Modi as a symbolic gesture of groundbreaking. A total of 200 people will be attending the ceremony which will be telecast live via dozens of giant LED screens around Ayodhya and Faizabad. Madhya Pradesh Assembly Pro Tem Speaker Rameshwar Sharma meanwhile said and I quote he that is Lord Ram had reincarnated for the welfare of mankind and to kill demons at that time. As soon as the construction of Ram temple begins the destruction of COVID-19 pandemic will begin too. Unquote. While usual business seems to be on in the temple town of Ayodhya despite the pandemic, things are quite different in Maharashtra's Shirdi. In July last year, the governing trust of the famous Sai Baba Temple in Shirdi received donations for about 5 crore rupees during the 3-day Guru Purnima festival. Around 6 lakh people came to Shirdi for the festival and the temple town did business of nearly 40 crore rupees. This wasn't unusual for Shirdi. home to a famous temple of the 19th century saint sai baba the town's 13 square kilometer area is often packed with devotees far exceeding its resident population of 35000 after the covid-19 pandemic hit india however business came to a standstill today this once booming town is deserted with the temple locked the economy dependent on it that is restaurants flower shops stores selling puja paraphernalia bus operators and others is in shambles Before the lockdown Shirdi did an average daily business of 10 crore rupees a day and the temple trust earned over 600 crore rupees per year now the average daily business is a few lakh rupees to know more about how the pandemic has hit this temple town do read Pratik's detailed ground report titled Temple Locked Business Lost How Shirdi's Economy Collapsed During the COVID-19 Pandemic Coming back to the day's news, Congress leader Priyanka Gandhi Vadra took to Twitter today to criticize Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath over the condition of health facilities in the state. She wrote, and I quote, "In the COVID era, health facilities should be up and running, but Mahoba Women's Hospital is in this condition. You have seen the bad state of hospitals in Bareilly and Gorakhpur. In Lucknow, the Chief Minister who makes statements about health facilities is interested in hiding these conditions and not improving them." Unquote. The tweet was accompanied by a video from Mahoba Hospital which appeared completely flooded with filthy water while the staff continued to go about their daily work. Rahul Gandhi on the other hand went for Prime Minister Narendra Modi over the border standoff with China. He alleged that the Prime Minister was 100% focused on building his image and did not have a vision for the country. 
Meanwhile, the Supreme Court today refused to entertain a petition seeking a direction to the Ayush Ministry to develop a standard yoga protocol to enhance COVID-19 resistance amongst people. The southern states of Andhra Pradesh, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka and Kerala reported their biggest single-day spikes in COVID-19 caseloads, with the highest exceeding the 6,000 mark in Andhra Pradesh. Tamil Nadu came second with over 5,800 cases. Collectively, the fresh infections from the four states totaled over 17,600. In Karnataka's Belagavi district, the family members of a coronavirus patient allegedly set an ambulance on fire after his death at a hospital. After the man's death, a crowd assembled at the hospital and began throwing stones at the building. Some of them allegedly attacked members of the hospital staff. The mob then set fire to an ambulance and attacked police vehicles. The police had to use force to disperse the crowd. In Meghalaya, the flood situation in the Garo Hills region remains grim as flood waters have not receded due to continuous rainfall. Deputy Commissioner of the West Garo Hills District, Ram Singh, said yesterday that the overall situation has not changed much due to non-stop rains and river flow. Five people, including four children, have died due to the floods in the state so far. The flood situation in Assam continues to cause devastation, with the severe flood alert still on. So far, 26 out of Assam's 33 districts have been impacted. The death toll has gone up to 91 after two people drowned in floodwaters in Bongaigao and Kokrajhar. The state's Disaster Management Authority has said that more than 26 lakh people have been affected due to the calamity. Golpara is the worst hit district followed by Barpeta, Lakhimpur, Dhubri, South Salmara and Golaghat. In Kaziranga National Park, 123 wild animals, including 12 rare rhinos, have also died in the floods. The dead also include 93 deers, 4 wild buffaloes and others. Almost 92% of the national park, including 152 anti-poaching camps, are currently underwater. In Guwahati, the water level of the Brahmaputra River has crossed the danger mark by almost 50 metres and is gradually increasing. NDTV India's primetime show on July 20th was noteworthy for more reasons than one. As calamitous floods ravaged Assam, NDTV conducted possibly the longest and the most detailed discussion on the disaster which strikes the northeastern state every monsoon. For a region that is often sidelined from big media's gaze, NDTV's feature, anchored by Ravish Kumar, was a much-needed departure on national television. It was also instructive on how to steer a discussion on an issue as complex as Assam's annual floods. Even though the coverage of the floods was, unsurprisingly, limited to a handful of shows, most of the reports that did happen were detailed and nuanced. While NDTV India provided a detailed timeline of the situation and mitigation measures in the state, other channels had ground reports and primetime shows. To find out more about the coverage of Assam floods on big media TV news channels that went beyond token reporting, do read Ayan's report titled Assam Floods, four TV news reports that put the spotlight on the annual disaster. You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. And while you're on our website, dear listeners, please do check out the other stuff we do. We have a bunch of interesting podcasts, interviews and other ground reports that often highlight issues that mainstream media tends to miss because of their TRP-based model. News Laundry, on the other hand, is an ad-free, reader-supported news and media critique platform. We completely depend on people who understand the role of independent media platforms in a healthy democracy. Go through our website and if you agree with us, show us your support by hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. Thank you in advance. Coming back to the news, Prime Minister Narendra Modi has assured to help the Northeast. 
He said, and I quote, Northeastern India is dealing with a double challenge. Heavy rainfall has caused huge damages, several people lost lives and many are displaced. I express my sympathies to all affected families. I assure you that the country stands with you in this tough time, unquote. On Wednesday, the central government declared that it will provide 346 crore rupees in the first phase under the Flood Management Programme scheme to the state. The centre has also said that it will discuss the recurrent flood problem with Bhutan. Assam Chief Minister Sarbananda Sonowal also held a video conference with Union Jal Shakti Minister Gajendra Shikhawat to discuss the situation in the state. Talking of the Union Jal Shakti Minister, a lower court in Jaipur has ordered the Special Operations Group or SOG of the Rajasthan Police to investigate the role of the Jodhpur MP Gajendra Singh Shekhawat and his wife Nonad Kanwar, among many others, in the 884 crore rupees Sanjeevni Credit Cooperative Society fraud case that was discovered in September last year. The matter is being investigated by the SOG since 2019. Petitioners in the case claimed that the SOG found that some money was allegedly transferred to companies owned by Shikhawat, his wife and others, but their role was never investigated. The Credit Society opened in 2008, offering high interest rates on deposits. However, it allegedly duped depositors by siphoning the money under fake loans. This comes a day after Chief Minister Ashok Gehloth wrote to the Prime Minister Narendra Modi accusing Shikhawat and other BGP leaders of attempting to topple the state government through horse trading. The SOG, which is also probing the alleged plot to bring down the state government, had sent a subpoena to Shikhawat in connection with the audio tapes. In one of the tapes, the minister is allegedly heard during a purported conversation to topple the Rajasthan government. However, the FIR does not identify Gajendra Singh, referred in the clip as Union Minister Shekhawat. Shekhawat had earlier denied that he figured in the audio clip and said that he is open to an investigation. Meanwhile, in a temporary breather to rebel Congress leader Sachin Pilot, the Supreme Court today refused Rajasthan Speaker C.P. Joshi's request to stay the State High Court's proceedings on Pilot's petition against the disqualification notice sent to him and 18 other MLAs. The Apex Court has posted the matter for a detailed hearing on July 27th. The High Court had restrained the Rajasthan Speaker till July 24th from conducting disqualification proceedings against Pilot and the other MLAs. Senior advocate and Congress leader Kapil Sibyl, who appeared for the Speaker, told the top court that the State High Court has no jurisdiction to restrain the Speaker from conducting disqualification proceedings till July 24th. He said that courts can only intervene when the Speaker takes a decision to suspend or disqualify a member of the House. In his petition, Joshi had sought an interim stay on the High Court's direction and said that it was, and I quote, illegal, perverse and in derogation of the powers of the Speaker under the Constitution, unquote. Hours after Joshi filed his petition, Pilate had filed a caveat in the Supreme Court urging it to hear him before passing any order. As the top court sought reasons from the Rajasthan Assembly Speaker for initiating disqualification proceedings, it said, and I quote, voice of dissent in a democracy cannot be shut down, unquote. Ironically, the same bench comprising of Justices Arun Mishra, B.R. Gavai and Krishna Murari is also hearing a Suomoto criminal contempt case against advocate Prashant Bhushan over two of his tweets, which the court says has brought the administration of justice in disrepute. The bench had issued notices to Bhushan, Attorney General K.K. Venukopal, and sought a reply from Twitter. 
The complaint against Bhushan was registered over a June 29th tweet by him on a photo of Chief Justice of India S.A. Bobde, who could be seen on a limited edition Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And now for some international updates. Over 15 million people around the world have been infected by COVID-19. This includes over 623,000 deaths. COVID-19 cases in the US approach 4 million today, with over 2,600 new cases every hour on an average, which is the highest rate in the world. South Africa, the worst affected country in Africa and among the top five in the world in terms of confirmed cases, has recorded nearly 60% more natural deaths than expected in recent weeks. This suggests a much higher death toll of COVID-19-related fatalities than officially reported. The South African Medical Research Council said in a report released late on Wednesday, and I quote, In the past weeks, the numbers have shown a relentless increase. By the second week of July, there were 59% more deaths from natural causes than would have been expected based on historical data. Unquote. The report by the council, which is government-funded but an independent unit, came as the health ministry announced a record increase of 572 COVID-19 deaths over the previous 24 hours. The author of the report, Professor Debbie Bradshaw, said, and I quote, The weekly death reports have revealed a huge discrepancy between the country's confirmed COVID-19 deaths and the number of excess natural deaths, unquote. President Trump again sought to showcase his mental fitness on television by reciting over and over again in an interview broadcast on Wednesday evening what he said was a sample cognitive testing sequence. For the better part of a month, 74-year-old Trump has made repeated appearances on Fox News to brag about acing a cognitive test which he said he recently took at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. During most of his recent interview with Mark K. Siegel, a professor of medicine at New York University and a medical analyst for Fox News, Trump tried to defend his own mental fitness for office by outlining the particulars of the test he said he had taken. However, the White House has not disclosed any details about when the president underwent the testing or why. Twitter has revealed that hackers viewed private DMs from 36 of the accounts involved in last week's hack. It has not disclosed who they belong to beyond saying one was owned by an elected official of the Netherlands. Twitter added that it does not believe any other former or current politician had their DMs accessed. It is not clear how many of the accounts overlap with the 45 that tweeted a Bitcoin scam. Although Twitter has not named the Dutch official affected, local reports have indicated that it is likely the far-right politician Gert Wilders. Last week, his profile image was replaced with that of a cartoon of a black man and his account's background image was changed to that of the Moroccan flag. On July 16th, the accounts of several high-profile business leaders, celebrities and politicians posted a bogus get-rich-quick scheme including Amazon's founder Jeff Bezos, Tesla's chief Elon Musk, the rapper Kanye West, his wife Kim Kardashian West, former US President Barack Obama and the Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. Twitter has said that a total of 130 accounts were targeted in the attack, which exposed personal information, including email addresses and telephone numbers. It previously revealed that eight of the non-verified accounts had all of their Twitter data downloaded, including direct messages. The firm has not said if any of these coincide with the ones whose DM inboxes were looked at. The social network may reveal more about the incident when it posts its latest financial results before the bell this Thursday. 
The U.S. Senate Commerce Committee has also demanded that Twitter brief it about the wider incident by 23rd of July, that is today. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.